Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right, good morning, everybody. This morning, as we get started on this very last installment on this whole series called Think Like Jesus, um, let me just say this up front. This teaching we're going to look at today might be the most admired teaching of Jesus, but also the most difficult to apply. It is um, the teaching of Jesus where uh, I would say nowhere in the Bible, nowhere is uh, the need for the power of the Holy Spirit needed. Nowhere is the teaching of Jesus more countercultural. In other words, if you do what Jesus is talking about here and we're going to look at today, you're going to stand out from everybody around you, the world around you, probably more from this than almost anything else. It, all of the teaching, all of these statements of Jesus, the six statements we've been looking at, will definitely be countercultural, but this one really stands out. Now, to, to share with you sort of the heart of where we're going, there was a national survey of non-Christian people all across our nation that were asked simply, what did Jesus teach? Like, what was he most famous for of the things that Jesus taught? And the overwhelming popular answer was, love your enemies. It's really interesting. That is what people that are not even Christians and say, I don't even believe in that Bible, I don't even believe in Jesus, but... Jesus, unlike any other religious leader, unlike any other person who's ever lived, he's most famous for this countercultural idea. And I think we could make a safe argument that it's the times when the Christian community, those of us who belong to the Christian community, show the antithesis of that we're not loving our enemy, that is when the most criticism of being hypocrites comes from the outside world which we kind of deserve, right? Not kind of, we do. And so Jesus was saying, love your animal, enemies. In other words, this is not a normal response. This is one of those things that stands out. As, as James, the half-brother Jesus, he would say, it, this is one of those things that makes us shine like the stars in the night sky, you know, up against the culture around us. It's not a normal response. You see, we're, our normal response is when we're wronged, we want to get even. And it only just seems fair that we ought to get even. And it only seems fair to live by a philosophy that feels so biblical, do unto others as they have done unto you. <laughs> by the way, that's not biblical, okay? But it was funny because when our girls were little, I, I remember getting on to one of our girls for what she was doing to her sister, and she was just like, Dad, do unto others as they've done unto you. And I'm like, eh, that's actually not what Jesus said. <laughs> but it's funny, my daughter, I mean, I've fallen into that too. I bet many of you have fallen into that too. That's not what he said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? Not as they have done unto you, but it feels biblical. What Jesus actually said, if I could kind of sum up where we're going today, what Jesus said he um, basically tells us that, listen, I want you to show love. I want you to show love to those who have done you wrong. I want you to, instead of your natural instinct to get even, 
I want you to forgive. I want you to love. I want you to pray for. I want you to care for people who don't pray for and care for you. They are not reciprocating this back to you at all. Now, it's, to put it very bluntly, he's saying, I don't want you to keep score on what they did and what you owe them. I don't want you to do it. Instead, I want you to forgive. This is not natural, is it? This is not a natural response. It's a supernatural response, which requires supernatural power and strength that God and only God can provide. In other words, Jesus is showing us a way to live that cannot be done without him. And it forces us into dependency and a, an exciting kind of leaning in, like, I can only do this if you show up, God. Otherwise, I'm going to fall flat on my face. I don't have the power, the strength. I, I can't pull this off without you. And this is where Jesus was wanting to lead us over and over. Beautiful. Now, part of what he's speaking to here, too, is in Jesus' day, to kind of give it some historical context, the Jews of Jesus' day wanted retaliation against the Romans, okay? They hated the Romans because the Romans had oppressed them, had them under their thumb for generations and generations and were brutal towards the Jewish people. They, they, they hated them because of, they, of all the oppression that they had survived. So, when they began to pray and think about a Messiah that God was going to raise up, a leader for their nation, they were thinking, hey, we need a military leader. We need somebody that's going to be large and in charge and take over and, and have some big muscles and some big guns and be able to just squash the, the Romans. That's what they wanted. In other words, they wanted a military leader that would satisfy their hunger for revenge and in the middle of all of this turmoil and conversations and political upheaval that was happening within the, the Jewish social communities, Jesus speaks this teaching that we're about to look at. He drops this, this truth bomb on them, okay? He says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And what he's referring to here is back in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 24, Deuteronomy 19, among some other places, where God gave his people through Moses this law of reciprocity, where he was trying to help them to not overly punish people for crimes. So if somebody breaks your arm, you don't go break both of theirs, right? He was saying, you lose an eye, they lose an eye. You, you know, you get a tooth broken out, they get a tooth broken out. But this Getting people to get even, that just didn't work very well. And, and as a matter of fact, Jesus is saying in the new covenant, in this kingdom, this new testament, if you will, a, a way covenant and testament mean the same thing, this new way of relating to God that I'm bringing to you as uh, coming to earth, I'm going to give you a new way to handle revenge and getting even with other people. So you have heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. In other words, I don't want you to take revenge on people. I want you to get in the habit of not having enough self-discipline, self-control to say, it is not up to me to make it all fair. I don't have to be a vigilante that gets out there and exacts punishment on other people in exactly the degree that I think that it, I, I, it was done to me because people almost always want to dish out way more than they got. Now, I, I, I'm sure some people would push back on that, but I'm just saying, listen, 
Jesus is basically saying, what is best for your heart and for my heart is not to take revenge, to leave that with God. And that um, specifically in the area of personal injury, now let me just say, this does not reach out and say, we should never go to war, and we shouldn't have law enforcement, and we shouldn't have this, and we shouldn't have that. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at a passage in a minute where it puts all that into context. What Jesus is saying here is he's saying when it comes to your own personal injury, somebody coming against you, somebody breaking your heart, hurting you, stealing from you, violating you, betraying you, I want you to learn how to not take revenge, but to give forgiveness, which is so countercultural, okay? It seems to go against every fiber of our being. And he's going to give us four illustrations of how to live this out. And all four of them are personal violations. They're not national. They're not civic. They are individual. So this is how it, he's helping us with application. Here's what he says. He goes on to say, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, right? So, assuming that most people are right-handed, for to get it on the right cheek in the Eastern culture, that means you were backhanded. That was like one of the worst insults you could get from somebody is to get backhanded across the face and get smacked on the right side of the face. It, it, it's Jesus basically saying, whatever the equivalent of a huge insult against you, your family, what you stand for, who you are, some, some offense against you, some, you know, um, in, something that gets you inflamed and kind of just angry, upset, uh, um, uh, offended. We get offended about lots of things, and he's saying, watch, watch, watch out with that right there because that will make you feel like you're justified in slapping back. But here's what I want you to get ready to do. I want you to just take it, okay? I don't want you to lash back out. And I mean, this takes major, this is a major spiritual step of maturity to say I'm not going to, even though I'm deep down inside of me that I love to do it, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to come back at them. This is what he says, Turn the other cheek also. I want you to not, I want you to be kind instead of giving back the anger that they gave. And if anyone sues you and takes your shirt, hand over your coat as well. I want you to be generous as you can with them. I want you to, and I don't think he's here advocating that, you know, give to the point where you can't feed your kids, don't, can't take care of yourself. But if somebody is, feels like you owe them something to the degree they're trying to go get you know, legal assistance to come after you, try to sit down with that person and say, let me realistically look at what I can give you. Let me be as generous as I can with you. In other words, Jesus is saying, I want you to embrace the ethic of being my people that don't hold on to money and things tightly like, oh, I, I, I don't know what will happen to me if I lose my money and my stuff. I don't know, I, I just, I, like, I put so much security in that that my life will utterly be ruined, but that I put my trust in the Lord and that I want to take care of those God has put me in charge of, but I also want to be generous to an, an extraordinary and even sometimes to an extent that may seem irrational to other people. 
I'm going to give them more than they asked for. I'm going to try to bless them. And this is what he's talking about here, to be as generous as you can. Now, he next he says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Though back then, Roman soldiers could, if they wanted to, if they're carrying their big heavy pack that some commentators write, they would say probably weighed somewhere between 75 pounds, maybe up to 150 pounds. This is a big pack. It's heavy, right? But they could come by your house and commandeer your services. Hey, you come over here. I want you to carry my pack. And they could have you carried up to a mile past their house, right? And most people had a mile marker on either side from their house down whatever main road they were, just so they knew, like, okay, I've, I've satisfied my service to the Roman government, and yet one more reason why I hate you people, okay? But Jesus is saying, stop hating them, first of all, but when you get into that second mile, don't you think that that Roman soldier is going to start asking questions? Wait a minute. Nobody goes two miles. Nobody goes a foot past one mile. Why are you doing this? What's your motive? Why are you different? Why do you stand out from everybody else? And Jesus says, and there is the place you can tell them about the kingdom. There is the place that you can share. You belong to me. And, and my love, my forgiveness, my kindness can overcome whatever evil, vengeance, and unforgiveness that may be lingering in their heart and in yours. It's amazing how it can change everything. And he says, anybody who's demanding those kinds of services from us, we ought to look for ways that we can give them a little more than they've been asking for. I know, again, this sounds so crazy to be able to just give away like that. But here's what he says next. He says, give to anyone who asks you. Give to those who have no prior claim on you, your life, your stuff. In other words, give to people who you don't owe them anything. You don't owe them a favor. You don't owe them money. You don't owe them. They're just asking for your help. And sometimes these people cannot or will not reciprocate. And Jesus says, and don't you worry about that. Give to them anyway. I want you to learn to give, to be generous. This is so radical. This feels almost un-American, right, to think like this. But this is Jesus. He's saying, listen, what I'm challenging you to do is going to make you stand out so much, you're going to look completely different than the culture, the community, the people around you. In other words, Jesus is giving us this radical idea. He gives us a radical new response to injustice. Oh, pardon me. And to those who want to um, do not turn away from those who want to borrow from you as well. So this is really super important to make sure those who are asking that we're willing to be generous to those. So Jesus gives us a radical new response to those around us and a radical new response to injustice. So instead of demanding our rights, which we're used to doing, screaming and protesting and picketing, he says, give them up freely. That sounds crazy to us, doesn't it? But to Jesus, it's more important to give justice and mercy than to receive it. It's more important to make sure we're blessing and helping others than standing over here screaming and demanding and being loud and, y'all are gonna do what we're wanting to do. I mean, he's saying, no, I don't want you to live like that. I don't want you, that, that's not the way I want you to portray yourself in the world. Jesus' purpose was to forbid revenge. 
not to encourage injustice. Now, so I just want to be clear here. He's not saying, I want injustice in the world. As a matter of fact, as I mentioned earlier, this is not statements of saying, no, we shouldn't have um, a military defense. We shouldn't have uh, law enforcement. Absolutely, we should. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul takes the teaching of Jesus later in Romans chapter 13, and he says, this is in verse 1 through 6, he says, governing authorities... Now, he's not defending here saying all governing authorities are perfect. They're made up of people. They're imperfect, and sometimes they get it wrong. Sometimes they're not right, and when they are, we need to stand up and speak against that. But he's saying governing authorities are God's servants bringing punishment on the wrongdoer. In other words, this is in keeping with Jesus' teaching. Jesus' teaching was never teaching us to take revenge on people, but to leave it to the authorities that we aren't the vigilantes that go out there and say, okay, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to exact justice on somebody who hurt my child, hurt me, hurt my spouse, but that I'm willing to let the authorities do that because when I go take revenge on somebody else, Romans 12 tells us it, it's no good for my heart. It's no good for yours. As a matter of fact, he goes so far as to say, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. God's saying, when you go try to take revenge, it's like a cancer in your heart. You will not be able to get rid of it. Even if you feel like you got even, it will mess you up. You need to trust that God can do this, and he can do it through other people. But this is a part of trusting, having faith in God, that even if you don't even see it all come to pass in your lifetime, God says, don't worry. I promise you, I will bring it all right. I will make everything just in the end. You can trust that. I will. I will make sure it is justice is done. You can trust that. And Jesus is saying, stop trying to take justice in your own hands. Learn to love people. Stand up for the innocent. Stand up for the vulnerable around you, for sure. But when it comes to offenses against you personally, be a man, be a woman of God, and take it. Forgive. See, Jesus was, was helping us to keep from getting infected in our own heart with poison, all right? Let me share with you a story I feel like it so powerfully illustrates this. It actually happened back in 1974, it was a 10-year-old boy. His name was Chris Carrier, and he lived in Florida. He had been dropped off for elementary school, and there was a man who had been a nurse for one of his family members had just been fired. He was disgruntled, he was angry, and he wanted to take it out on somebody. He knew that boy was at that school, and he went by there and picked up that boy and abducted him. He took him out into the Everglades, he burned him repeatedly with a cigarette. He stabbed him with an ice poker and then took a revolver and shot him in the side of the head, leaving him for dead in the Everglades. And the crazy thing is, this guy, David McAllister is his name, he got away with it. There was never enough evidence to convict the man. Chris Carrier was found six days later. This boy had survived all of that. He lost the sight in his eye where the revolver had gone off. But other than that, everything else was fairly superficial. The burns and everything. He, he survived, and as he grew up, he came to faith in Jesus Christ. He became a Christian. 
And years later, it, it came out in the papers that David McAllister finally, under the weight of guilt, he couldn't live with it any longer, live with himself. He finally came to the authorities and he confessed to the whole thing. Right Now, he's an old man. Statue of limitations had run out. He couldn't be convicted anymore. But at this point, he was blind in both eyes. He's laying up in a hospital. He's dying. Chris Carrier and his little girl decide to go visit David McAllister. His assailer, his abuser, his murderer, when he was a child. Now... Chris Carrier is a full-grown man. He's a husband. He's a dad. He comes and he meets David McAllister for the first time. And David is overwhelmed with shame and guilt over what he's done. He sees the face of this man and the boy that he, he hurt all those years ago. And he just begs his forgiveness. He begs his forgiveness. And in that hospital room, nobody would have blamed Chris Carrier if he spit in his face. I mean, this was literally a case of eye for an eye. He could punch out his eye. He could kill the guy. And there would probably be people lined up outside the hospital shaking his hand, saying, hey, listen, hey, way to go. Way to go, buddy. That was good. But he knew that wasn't how you follow Jesus. And here's a picture. Chris Carrier and his little girl David McAllister. He comes in, and after he sobs with him and begs his forgiveness, can't see him, he's, he's blind, Chris Carrier says, from now on, there will be nothing like anger or revenge between us, nothing except a new friendship. I forgive you. And he shares his faith in Jesus Christ with this man. He becomes a Christian. They become friends. Can you believe this? You don't ever hear stuff like this in the news anymore, do you? They become friends. He continues to visit this man until he dies, bringing him smoked amberjack, I'm told. He prays for him, reads the Bible to him, prays for him. Him and his little girl continue to visit him, making sure he's getting adequate medical care until his last day. Chris Carrier says, I know that nobody does this, but this is what Jesus asked me to do, and it fills my heart with joy. And I feel the kingdom of God so powerfully in my life when I follow him, and I'm going to keep doing it. And that's what he did. It's so beautiful. It's so awesome. And I just want to encourage you. Maybe you got somebody in your life like that today that has hurt you, violated you, and God says, I want to do a miracle through you that nobody would expect and nobody would blame you if you did exactly the opposite of what Chris Carrier did. Jesus goes on and he challenges us a little further. He says, you have heard that it was said to love your neighbor and to hate your enemy. And this was a, a twisting of the words of the Old Testament that the Pharisees would do. That they, they would teach people, the, the, the rabbis, the rabbinical leaders of the Pharisees would teach people, hey, it's okay to love your kinsmen, other Jews, but it's, it's really also okay for you to hate the Romans and hate the Samaritans along with a long list of other people. Like, it's okay. The people that you don't agree with that are politically opposite of you, it's okay. Hate them. Hate them. Their, their lifestyle you don't agree with, hate them. Jesus said, that's not okay. That's not okay. That's not what it means to be a, a kingdom follower. He says, but I tell you, 
to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Now, notice what Jesus just did. You have heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I'm telling you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What did he do? He just gave us a new definition for neighbor. He's showing us that God, in God's vocabulary, neighbor includes enemy. <laughs> He's saying, I want you to begin to treat your enemy like a neighbor. I want you to love them. Because he knew that when you're praying for someone, especially someone who has done something against you, someone that you can't stand, someone that you have just rage, anger, bitterness, jadedness, cynicalness towards. If you're praying for them and you're loving them, you're trying to act loving towards them, you can't hate them at the same time. We're just not wired like that as human beings. It will change your heart towards people. Jesus is showing us there's a secret to learn how to love people that you've never been able to love. You gotta start praying for them. You gotta start acting in love towards them. And Jesus so beautifully illustrates this for all of us when he was on the cross. In Luke chapter 23, verse 34, now again, picture this. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's dying, and his last dying prayer is for us. He says, Father, forgive, let's say it together, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Now, question. Who is included in them? God, Father, forgive them. Who's he talking about? I think we could all agree it's his enemies, right? It's his persecutors. It's the people that are responsible for hanging him on the cross. But what is Jesus' response? Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. They don't understand the ramifications eternally of what's happening here. I'm asking for forgiveness. The apostle Paul takes this beautiful teaching of Jesus and what he did on the cross and he helps us kind of bring it together to help us to understand. In Romans chapter 5, verse 10, Paul writes this. He says, and let's read the highlighted words together. While we, right? While we were what? We're God's, let's say it a little louder, we're God's enemies. enemies. It's us. We're them. We're the enemies, he's saying. We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. Hey, God came for us anyway. He forgave us anyway. And now he says, I want you to come and follow me because it's the best possible way to live as a human being on this planet. In other words, if he, being God, gave himself for his enemies, including us, right? Then we must give ourselves for ours. We have to be willing to do this if we want to follow Jesus. It is the only way to freedom. It's the only way to living fully in the kingdom to do things like pray for those who persecute you. It's hard. It's challenging. Jesus goes on to say, he causes, he here is, again, referring to, to God himself, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, God does his best. He gives his best to everybody. He's fair with everyone. He gives everybody a chance. He gives everybody a choice. Even if we don't think he's being fair, we don't know the whole story. In the end, he says, I promise you, it's all gonna be fair. It's all gonna be just. I let the, the same sun rise on you, rise on evil people, good people, bad people, same rain that comes and brings crops, it feeds people, it feeds everybody. 
He's saying, I, I want you to be no respecter of persons. I want you to be not respect, not, I don't want you to consider, well, I'm gonna favor this person over this person. I'm gonna be willing to offer grace and kindness and forgiveness to everybody, whether I think they deserve it or not, just like God does. And when you do that, it's beautiful, it's incredible. So do as God does and makes all the difference. Here's what Jesus goes on to say. He says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? In other words, if you're just like everybody else, you're not gonna stand out. You're not gonna stand out. And then he gives a specific illustration. He says, are not even the tax collectors doing that? Now he picked the most greedy, self-centered, egotistical people that everybody in his community would agree. Like tax collectors, they don't get any worse than that. Like those people are awful. And he's saying, don't even those people do that? Don't they, even they, kind of, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours? That's what he's saying. And he says, I, I want you to not be like that. I want you to go a step further. And he even gets more specific. He says, and if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? And this greeting that he's talking about is that back in the first century, people would have these social gatherings, kind of a dinner party at their house. It was a way to climb the social ladder, okay? So you invite all your friends that are kind of on the same social plane with you, and then you invite people a little bit above you so that you're, you make connections for your friends and your family and your kids. And these are people that know other people. They got power, they've got money, they can do stuff for you. And Jesus is saying, as my people, I want you to be careful. Don't just do for those who can do for you. Don't just do for people who can reciprocate because these are all people that can invite you to the dinner party at their house. How about all the people that don't have enough to even do a dinner party? They either can't or won't reciprocate. Are you showing love to them too? Are you willing to think about those people in your life and be kind to, loving towards, generous towards those people? If you are willing to get outside of your comfort zone, your little social bubble, and be willing to start to love people that are not like you, unloving people, people that are hard to love, he says, my heavenly Father will look down and say, perfect, that's beautiful. He says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, is, is Jesus here now saying you need to be flawless, like you need to be without any error in your life? I think he knows us well enough to know, no, no. So the question is, a lot of people have asked, we need to ask, how are we supposed to be perfect, right? Well, if we ask that question of Jesus, he would say, are you just helping others who can help you? Are you just doing for those who can do for you? I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. Are you just wanting to get even? You did me bad, I'm gonna do you bad. I'm trying to keep score. Over in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, the, the love chapter, love is patient, love is kind. You probably heard it at every wedding you've ever been to. Verse five tells us, love keeps no record of wrongs. Like, again, Paul is saying, let's take what Jesus did and let's put it into practice. Stop keeping score. And I know when I say something like that, for some of you who have been wronged, your response is, that's not fair. That's not fair. To which Jesus would say, you're right. You're exactly right. It's not fair. It's not fair just like your salvation is not fair. It's not fair. Jesus was willing to lay down his life 
while we were still enemies. Well, we, we had no prior claim upon him. We had no, there's no reason why. He didn't owe us anything. And he laid down everything for us. And Jesus is saying, if you're willing to show love to those who totally don't deserve it, and you're willing to forgive other people as freely as you have been forgiven in Christ, then God, your Father, says, perfect. That's beautiful. Keep that up. You couldn't look more like me than when you're doing that. Keep it up. I love this quote. It was uh, Dr. King who said, he basically took the teaching of Jesus and he said this, he put it together like this. He says, love is the only force in the universe capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. And that's exactly what Chris Carrier did with Dave McAllister. It was love that transformed him from an enemy to a friend. And God wants to do that over and over. He wants to do it in me, he wants to do it in you. But we have to say yes. And some of you here have been hurt badly by other people. And if you're honest, there's a part of you that would still like to see them suffer the way you have suffered. And it feels like until they do, it's just not even, it's not gonna be okay. And if that is you, I just want you to take just a minute in your mind's eye, picture Jesus on the cross. There he is, he's bleeding, he's tortured, he's dying. And your heavenly father draws you close and says, isn't this enough? Isn't this enough suffering for you? We feel that justice, justice is not done until the person pays for their offense, until they suffer the way we've suffered. Well, Jesus, you, we need to see this. He took their offense, even against you, he took it upon him and he paid for it on the cross. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. So the question is, who has wronged you? Who is your enemy? Who has persecuted you? Who do you still hold deep down? You would say, I love God. I love Jesus. I, 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 or maybe you're right on the cusp of wanting to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm gonna give you an opportunity in just a minute to do that. Maybe that's you today. But the thing that's holding you back is unforgiveness for someone else. You can't offer forgiveness to someone that you have not received forgiveness from God first for. So today may be the day that you need to receive forgiveness from the Lord so you can offer it to someone else. Others of you here, you're like, I am a believer. I have received his forgiveness for my sin. And maybe today is the day God is saying, it's time for you to let me help you to begin to forgive, let go and to return, not evil for evil, but love for evil, to pray for those who persecute you. And here's the application prayer. I'm asking you to pray with me today, simply to say, Jesus, help me to love my enemies the way you love me. I surrender all of myself to you today. And here's what I wanna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer right now. And after the prayer, we're gonna be going into our time of communion. The band's gonna come out. We're gonna have a worship song at the end. But I want to ask you right now, if you would, just to lay your heart out before God. If there's anybody in your life that has betrayed you, hurt you, and there's still some lingering unforgiveness, some lingering pain, hurt, jadedness, cynicalness in you towards them that you need to just relinquish to God. And maybe he would, you would just be able to say, God, I need your help to forgive. 
I forgive them today. And maybe he would even take a next step to, 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 to act in love towards them in some way. Right now, would you just bow with me in prayer before our holy God? Let him speak to your heart. Lord Jesus, we come before you right now. We thank you that you have a way out of this horrible, painful cycle of unforgiveness, jadedness, cynicalness, it's been said that unforgiveness is a prison cell that only can be unlocked from the inside. You give us the opportunity, the power through faith in you to unlock that prison and get out of it today. I pray all across this room right now, would you just do that? Would you say, Jesus, I'm asking you to help me to forgive right now. If there's somebody in your life that you need God's help to forgive, they've done something against you, your child, your spouse, somebody you love, they've hurt you, violated you, betrayed you, stole from you, and there's still some lingering stuff there, would you just lift your hand right now? I'd love to pray for you right now. Let's just get honest. Anybody here? Thank you for those hands over there. Oh, back over here. God bless you guys. Lord, right now, for everybody who would be honest to say, yes, God, there's still somebody. They shouldn't have done what they did. That is absolutely correct. They should not have. But now it's time for us to forgive. God, we give you those people. We, we lay them before you. We forgive. Would you just say that? For some of you, that is the greatest breakthrough you could have today one of the greatest next spiritual steps of maturity you could have is just to say i forgive them i release their debt to me they don't owe me anything i'm free you get to walk away free today would you just tell the lord i forgive them and help us lord to not just forgive, but to act in love towards them. Let me lower your hands. If there's anybody here today, online, in person, that's listening to this message right now, and there's in your heart a desire, a craving, a longing to know God, to know Him personally, would you just pray right where you sit? Don't hesitate. Pray. It's an act of faith. Jesus, I want you in my life. I'm trusting that when you died on that cross, you resurrected from the dead. That was to pay the penalty for my sin along with every other sin. And I ask for forgiveness from my sin. And I ask that you would be the Lord and the leader of my life from this day forward. Be my forgiver. Be my Lord. If you just prayed that for the first time, would you just as an act of faith, shoot your hand up right now. I want to pray for you. Anybody here? God bless you, sweetheart, right there. Anybody else giving it all over to Jesus? Anybody else giving it over to God, holding nothing back? Anybody else? God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for hearing our prayers today. Thank you, God, for meeting us in the middle of one of the biggest spiritual challenges of our life. And I pray, God, that you would bless this communion we're about to take with you. We pray it all in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you guys. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. 
for directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.